We are in our series that we are calling Sharing Jesus. And just a quick programming note. If you are following along on this postcard, go ahead and throw that thing away. So with me being sick a few weeks ago, we're kind of sideways and we're off our schedule. So we'll actually continue this series today and then into next week as well. So you can lose the postcard if you want to. So to get us back on track, sort of, let me go back to some of the things that I was talking about two weeks ago and then tie that to where Pastor Bill went last week. So two weeks ago, we were in Luke chapter 7, and there Luke gives us four stories. Four stories that come back to back to back to back. Four stories that Luke gives us in quick succession because there's something that Luke is trying to get you to see. And the thing that he wants you to see is that Jesus, in those four stories, Jesus gets messy with four very different people, with four very, very different sets of needs. And we said that, that no matter how rich, no matter how poor, no matter how powerful, no matter how powerless, no matter the questions, no matter the doubts, no matter the sin, that Luke chapter 7 shows us that we are, are called to share the good news, the hope that we have in Jesus, how God has loved us through Christ, that we are called to share with everyone. That everyone, and that includes you, that includes me, everyone needs the good news of Christ. And that will demand that that we get messy, that will demand that that we get involved, that we get eyeball to eyeball with, with the need and the hurt and the pain and the questions and the doubts and the struggles and the fear and the sin of the people that God places into your life. We use this quote from the book, Get Real. John Leonard writes, Christ is calling us not just to talk about God's love for sinners, but to actually step down into the world and show it. Because each time that we see Jesus doing this in Luke chapter 7, there is a more clear, there is a greater revelation to who he is. And in the same way that Jesus steps down into the suffering of this world, you and I are called to step down into the suffering of this world. And as we do that in Christ's name, The result is that he is glorified. The result is that that he gets gets declared who he is. That gets declared with with a greater clarity. And so we ended two weeks ago by saying that as you get messy, that as you get involved, you will have opportunities to tangibly share the love of Jesus in very concrete ways but also you will have a chance to share the hope that you have in Christ. But will you do that? We ended our time by just going quiet, creating some space, creating some silence, and I invited you to go to God to say, say, God, where would you, where would you have me get messy? 
Then last week, Bill took us into the parable of the sower coming out of Luke chapter 8. That as we share Jesus, the message of Jesus with with those around us, that, that message is received into the human heart in different ways. Some hearts are, are soft, some hearts are hard. Hearts that at one time may have been hard get softened because of, of the work of and the power of the Holy Spirit. Bill told us the story of Max who was part of this church family and how, how Max's brother prayed for Max for 30 years. And the hard, hard soil in Max's heart slowly softened as God worked inside of Max's life and Max met Jesus as his savior. And so to that end, despite what you think you know about someone, Despite what your eyes tell you and the quick judgment that you reach, you can never know what God is doing in someone's life. And so our call is to sow, to sow widely and to sow wildly. Bill talked about our need to listen well, and that's where we're going to pick up this morning. Because this morning we get into the nuts and the bolts of this thing our sharing Jesus, that, that as we share, the flow is this. We watch, we listen, we share. We watch for opportunities, we listen deeply, we share the hope that we have in Christ. Before we talk more about this flow, let's just back it up for a second and remind ourselves that if you are a follower of Jesus, the reason that we're even having this conversation is because this is your call. This is your mandate. We see that in Matthew 28 verses 19 through 20, which has in view following Jesus, creating followers of Christ, but how that starts is through evangelism. Right, announcing the good news, sharing Jesus. Our mission statement is this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. And here is the power source in this. And be sure of this. Be confident of this. Be certain of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so we watch, we listen, we share. Last time that I was up here, I asked you to to pray that prayer, God, where would you have me get messy? But what happens if that prayer is a continuing prayer? What if, and this gets us to the title of today's conversation, let Christ lead people to you, but what if you are continually praying, what if you are continually watching for opportunities to share Jesus, to share the hope that you have found in Christ? What if your prayer is, God, where would you have me get messy today? God, where would you have me get messy right now? That you're praying that as you go about the normal activities of your day, maybe that's in an office, maybe that's working on a production line, maybe that's in 
a cubicle. Maybe that's in a classroom. Maybe that's in a relationship with a client. I was thinking that we've got some, some members of our MBIC family that are law enforcement officers. And so in some way, that person that you are handcuffing and putting in the back of your car is your client. What's it look like to get messy there? God, where would you have me get messy right now? Your trip to the grocery store? That conversation that you're having with another parent as you sit and you watch your kid's game. And so if we go back to the flow, as we watch for opportunities, as we seek to listen deeply, that leads us to our sharing. Because if, if we will listen deeply, people love to talk about themselves. Ever notice that? And usually they are pretty free about telling you all the things that are going wrong in their lives. But we have to be watching for those opportunities. We have to be making ourselves available God, where would you have me get messy? God, where would you have me get messy today? God, where would you have me get messy right now? And so that means we have to not only watch, but also be available. I don't know about you, but I don't always do a great job at that. Sometimes my words, my actions, my attitudes do not line up with the fact that I'm a pastor. And my kids call me on that. And I'll say, leave it alone, I'm off duty. (laughs) Which as a pastor, you're never truly off duty. But that's what I say. It's kind of become a dad joke and they just ignore me. But that off-dutiness manifests itself in places like Costco. <laughs> so sometimes we go to Costco and Sydney will grab a cart and she'll go one direction and I'll grab a cart and I'll go a different direction and I am in the zone. I've got a mission to accomplish. Like my day is not about Costco. I am there to get something done but then I've got places to be, I've got stuff to do. And invariably, there is this mob of people that are almost in a mini riot as they hustle to get a spoonful of hummus on a little cracker. (laughs) I don't have time for that. (laughs) And so I don't know if it's the speed at which I'm moving the fact that I'm cutting people off or the look in my eye, but literally I will see people step out into the aisle, see me coming, and step back. (laughs) I'm convinced that my, my body language communicates what is in my head. Get out of my way or I will hit you with this cart. Cindy would say that's also my aggressive posture when we drive. She's always yelling at me, slow down, there's pedestrians. And to that, I say, I have never hit anyone. But she would say that's because she's yelling at me, slow down. And that's a circular argument that never gets anyplace. 
But there is nothing in how I carry myself at Costco that makes anyone think that I am available for a conversation. And so often, if we're honest, that's how we carry ourselves throughout our day. Anyone else guilty of that? All right, there's a few honest folks in here. If you didn't raise your hand, that probably means that you're also guilty of lying, just saying. (laughs) We can ask it this way. If there was a sign on your forehead, what would that sign say? Don't bother me, I'm busy. Or please approach me, I am available to listen. Because in the Gospels, we see clearly that Jesus is available. Clearly that Jesus makes time. And that's the key. He makes time for people. He's watching for opportunities. And so as we explore this morning what our own sharing Jesus looks like in very concrete terms, we are going to John chapter 4, in which we have a roadmap. So John chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at that time because the disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. Jesus is getting messy. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think that you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But, but those who drink the water that I, I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man that you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshiped? Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will, will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one that you worship while we Jews know all about him for salvation comes through the Jews. 
But the time is coming indeed. It's here now. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, the Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her, or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. So, A lot there. Let's dissect that so that this makes sense for us. And we've got a flow here, right? So Jesus gets messy. Jews, Samaritans don't normally get along. As a matter of fact, many times a Jew would walk around the area of Samaria, but Jesus chooses to walk right through this area called Samaria. Jesus chooses to get messy. Jesus strikes up a conversation with this woman. There is this conversational back and forth about water. Jesus says that he is the source of of living water. And then in the midst of that conversation, Jesus tells her that she's on man number six. And she wants nothing to do with that piece of their conversation. So she quickly changes the topic. She gets religious she comments that the Messiah will explain all. I met with, with our, our foundry, which is our college and career age group, this past Sunday, and we just kind of did a Q&A time. Um, they meet 6.30 over in Warehouse 54, and they were asking me questions, really good questions, actually about what it's like to be a pastor. And I said that I very rarely in conversation drop the fact that I am a pastor, because it's got to kind of like being a doctor or a healthcare professional in that if there's a situation where someone's sick and that can be helpful, you say, hey, I'm a doctor. But if you just drop in casual conversation, hey, I'm a doctor, people like want to start showing you their crazy moles and that kind of thing. And so you've got to be judicious about what you say and how you say it. And I'm kind of that way when it comes to the fact that I'm a pastor. If that's clearly helpful, I'll say that, but if it's not helpful, what tends to happen is you say, hey, I'm a pastor, and probably 75% of the people that you drop that on immediately start looking for the exit. And there's another 25% of people that get religious and start quoting Bible verses, and the conversation gets weird, and that's clearly what this woman is doing. I'll explain that in a moment. Jesus announces that he is the Messiah and she goes and she tells others. So remember what we're talking about, right? In our sharing, we are watching for opportunities in the lives of the people that God has placed in front of us and we are listening well, listening to those people as they share their stories, listening for their pinch points, listening for their brokenness listening for their bad news, for the hurt and the pain and the need, the questions, the doubts, the struggles, the fear, the sin. 
of those people that God has placed into our lives. You might say in response to this story, hold up, Brian, I cannot do that. This is Jesus, and he supernaturally knows that she is on man number six. So let's simplify this even further to look at exactly what Jesus does. Jesus opens this entire conversation with a high, a smile, and a question, can I have a drink? And Moose the bad news in this woman's life comes out. Bad news that is desperately seeking good news. Okay, so Jesus being Jesus knows that she is on man number six. But if you knew anything about the customs and the culture of these people, the fact that this woman in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day, is going for water to carry that container of water with that weight in that heat, that just wasn't done. The fact that she goes by herself to do this, you may not know that she's on man number six, but it would be obvious to you that something is up with this woman, that that something is going on. She has been ostracized. She's an outsider. Right? And we know that this is an issue because as, as soon as Jesus touches on the fact that she is on man number six, she immediately changes the topic and thinks, okay, he's a prophet, so what do I talk about? Baseball, no. The weather, no. Oh, a prophet. Where and how should we worship? She's trying to duck Jesus because he has just zeroed in on her brokenness. But the thing about it is that that this is exactly what she says when she runs back to the village. She says this. Come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? Right? This woman's bad news has set her up for considering the possibility that the good news is found in Jesus. So back to that objection. Hold up, Brian. I I can't do this. Let's put these three points on one slide. Jesus opens up this entire interaction with the high, can I have a drink? Can you introduce yourself to someone, smile at them, ask a question, start a conversation? Can you do that? Yes, you can. The bad news in this woman's life comes out, bad news that is desperately seeking some good news. Can you listen for the bad news, the brokenness in someone's life? Can you do that? Yes, you can. This woman's bad news has set her up for considering the possibility that the good news is found in Jesus. As someone shares the bad news, the bad news in their lives, can you connect the dots and point them to the hope that you have found in Christ? Can you do that? Yes, you can. When my family and I, when we were in South America, in Uruguay, we lived in the city of of Montevideo, which is on the screen in front of you, And, and literally the entire first year, our job was one thing, and it was learn. Learn the language, learn the people, 
learn what our role in that country was going to be. And the underlying foundational push in all of those three things was simply learn the questions that Uruguayans are asking about life. The pain and the hurt and the need and the questions and the doubts and the struggles and the fear and the sin. And when we learned those questions, when we were able to to fully understand those questions, it was only then that we were ready to show how it's Jesus who is the ultimate answer to those questions. And in your sharing, Jesus, it it is exactly the same. For that person that God has brought into your life, you are attempting to learn. You are listening deeply to their pain, their hurt, their questions, their doubts, their struggles, their fears, their sin. And the way that you listen deeply is by asking questions. So tell me more. So help me understand how how that situation in your life, how how that makes you feel. So why do you think this is happening? So what are you learning as you face this struggle? So what do you need as you face this situation? And it's not that we're asking these questions because we're trying to fix the person. But we're asking the question because we are are trying to see how that specific brokenness, maybe it's brokenness in a marriage, maybe it's, it's brokenness that's manifesting itself at work. Maybe it's brokenness in a friendship. Maybe it's, it's, it's a broken dream. Maybe it's, it's broken health. But how does that specific brokenness create life's big questions that can only ultimately be answered through new life in Jesus? Here's how John Leonard says it in the book, Get Real. How do you share your faith? By using every circumstance and question in a person's life as a window into what it means to follow Christ. What if you shape the gospel by listening deeply to what the person is saying to you? Then take what they've told you and wrap it up in a response that was made precisely for them. This is what Jesus does in the gospels. Exactly what we just saw coming out of John chapter 4. The easy part is that you don't have to speak until you clearly see how the gospel applies to that person's needs. Maybe that takes three, four, five conversations. With a real approach to presenting the gospel, you want to listen as much as possible because the other person is giving you clues as to how you should share the gospel. You need to keep listening until you know what the real issue is. Body language, gestures, expression may be giving you clues to the real issue boiling just below the surface. In in traditional evangelism, it's believed that we should keep talking until the light comes on in the listener's head. But what if we turn the tables? If it isn't clear how you are to respond, keep asking questions until the light comes on in your head. And you see how you should frame the message. We must listen more than we speak so that we might fully understand the person that God has brought into our lives. 
as they speak about the immediate problems that they're facing and the questions that they have, we should be listening and praying. And this is the key because this is more than just a simple tip. That the power source behind your own sharing of Jesus is God himself, is the Holy Spirit. The Jesus that promised in Matthew 20, I, I shall not leave you but be with you to the end. Praying, asking our Lord to help us gather everything we've heard, read, or understand from the scriptures to respond to their problems or questions. Listen. Listen again. Pray as you listen and speak only when the person invites you to do so. In doing so, we're also telling the other person that we care deeply about them. Because the gospel speaks to every area of life. It can address every person's particular situation. And so if we go back to our flow, watch for opportunities, listen deeply, share the hope that you have in Christ. If someone is wrestling with a fear, maybe you share how the good news of Jesus gives you an unshakable security. Maybe if a person is wrestling with their marriage, you share about your own struggles in your own marriage. And what you are learning about how the lordship of Jesus is impacting you and how you are trying to love your spouse. If someone is locked into a conflict, maybe you share how the good news of Jesus invites us to be the ones to change. Maybe it's a sin in their life. As you explain the good news, you you explain how sin stains every part of who we are and separates us from God and that sin can only be forgiven through Christ's sacrifice. His dying on the cross, the shedding of his blood. We're about to sing the song, Jesus Paid It All, here in a few moments. The fact that Jesus did pay it all in our place for our sins. That Jesus is the rescuer who comes to save, who comes to give us new life. That we are called to repent, to turn from trusting in ourselves, to turn to trusting in him. That it's in Christ's work for you that he indwells you with the Holy Spirit to give you the power to live this new life. And so will you watch for opportunities? Will you listen deeply? Will you share? The reason that I wanted to start this morning by by looking at Matthew 28 is because this is our mission. This is your call. What are you going to do with it? What would it look like if, if we as a church, if you as individuals got serious about this? Can you imagine what it looks like what that new life looks like lived out in that family member who doesn't know Christ? Can you imagine what this new life looks like being lived out in the life of that kid in your classroom? 
Can you imagine what this new life looks like lived out in the life of your neighbor? Can you imagine how new life, how the good news of Jesus turns Mannheim upside down? Will you watch for opportunities? Will you listen deeply? Will you share? Let's pray. Father, I just want to let that question hang. Because if we answer no to those questions, I'm not sure what we're doing here. You have called upon us to see your majesty, to see your beauty, to see your glory, to see your holiness, to see the grace extended to us, the mercy extended to us, the forgiveness extended to us, your love to us. And I'm convinced that if we truly got that, we would be jumping up and down on our seats. And so we're about to sing a song that declares the fact that Jesus did pay it all. May that message not terminate with us. May we as a church be all about sharing. May we as as members of this, this MBIC family in our normal everyday lives, the people that you are bringing to us in front of us, open our eyes to the opportunities that we have to share. Allow us to listen deeply. Allow us to share of your love for us, Father. And that can be scary sometimes. That can feel heavy sometimes, but the reality is is that you are not asking us to do something that we do alone. You promise that you are with us. So may we go, may we declare, may we show by the very way that we live our lives that we are a desperate people, but you have met us, that Jesus has paid it all. We pray all these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.